Welcome to Destiny Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Eric Smith. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit DestinyDayton.com. I tell you, let's go ahead, since most of you are standing, let's go ahead and open our Bible to Matthew 25. We're going to read Matthew 25 through uh, one, uh, chapter, verse 1 through verse 13. I'm not up here to say something today. I'm here today because I have something to say, and I want you to be ready. We're going to get those prayer stations out here in a little bit, and we're going to pray for people today. We're going to pray for God's glory to fill this place. We're going to pray for people's lives to be transformed, set free, people healed, people filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, I hope you didn't come to have an encounter with a pastor. I hope you came to have an encounter with the living God. That's why we're here. That's that's the only reason why I'm doing this thing today uh, and in the ministry period. I'm in it because I want people to encounter the living God. I'm sick of seeing former Christian singers and former Christian rappers, right? Another one. Oh, I've decided I'm going to become an atheist. You know what? Uh, Fools and cowards. That's what the Bible says. The man who says there is no God is a fool. Don't go to an atheist and say you're a fool because that's just trying to throw shade. But that's what the Bible says. Someone who doesn't believe in God. And what happened? You know what happened with a lot of those people? They knew God up here, but they didn't have this down here. They didn't have an encounter with God. And I see it in academia. I see people they get too smart for their britches, and they decide God. They're in, I'm in seminary, and God doesn't exist. I'm thinking a fool and a coward. You don't understand. It's not about learning up here because anything you dissect will die, right? You were in seventh grade biology. You got the fetal pigs out. A hundred percent of them were dead, right? You got the cats out in anatomy and physiology in high school and dissected it, right? They were all dead. Anything you dissect dies. And listen, unless we have a living encounter with the living, it's okay to study. It's okay to learn. But the moment we turn this into a textbook, the moment we try to take this and make it something that's all about head knowledge, I want to tell you something. We are missing the entire point. Because the living God wants to encounter you. He wants to transform you. And of course, it doesn't make sense, the Bible says, to those that are in the world. This doesn't make sense to the unredeemed. It shouldn't. Because this takes awakening of the heart. When Jesus comes in, when Jesus gives us a brand new heart and life, he opens up our understanding and things begin to make sense. And suddenly we see things we didn't see before. Even the old singer from the old days wrote the song, I saw all the light when he understood what it meant when you come to jesus the thing that you didn't see now suddenly you see and it makes sense that is what we need today our encounters with jesus that opened our eyes i hadn't even started preaching yet I'm, i'm serious i just i just that's not even my sermon but here i am matthew 25 Matthew 25. This is for someone in this room today. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. Everyone say no oil. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. That little phrase caught me this week. The wise had extra oil. And as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. People kept wondering and asking, is he ever going to come? Where is the promise of his coming? 
Is he really going to show up? Because we've heard this for 2,000 years. Is this really going to happen? Is it really going to? Oh, we've heard this sermon before. We've heard Jesus is coming back. Ha, 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 ha. Jesus, is it really going to happen? And the Bible says, as Jesus tells this parable, it took a long time. It became sleepy, drowsy, and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Midnight, I believe, representing the moment you least expected it to happen. I don't know that Jesus was necessarily trying to say right at the crack of midnight. I think it's more like midnight. That'd be like maybe 3.30 in the morning for some of us, 3 o'clock in the morning. Right when you're good and foggy. Right, midnight, some of y'all still up. Popping popcorn. This was at a moment nobody expected. And a cry went out at midnight. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. I want to tell you something, my friends. Jesus will return soon. It'll be when you least expect it. And there'll be a supreme chance. It'll be the most inopportune time for many people. Here is the bridegroom come out to meet him and all those virgins rose and they trimmed their lamps. Now here's what just gets me in this story. They all obviously were virgins, the Bible said, but the ones that were called foolish were getting up and going through the motions like the wise ones, like they didn't know anything was wrong. See, none of us trim lamps here today, so we, we very few of us have understanding of what that means, but essentially you're cutting away the old wick. You're prepping your lamp because you, you want a fresh run of wick, right? Maybe we do this with candles. I don't know how, how if you're a candle burner or whatnot, but you know, sometimes you, you want to get down to that fresh wick. And the Bible says they all arose, all ten of them, Trimmed their lamps, got, the, got everything ready. And the foolish said to the wise, verse 8, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. Their lamps had burned all night. These are people who had oil in their lamp. Please understand this. These are all virgins representative of the church they all had oil in their lamp five of them neglected their lamp they became careless they became distracted they whatever it is because we all know right and while their lamps were burning they got up they trimmed the lamp they they got it ready and then they realized "Ooh, it's been burning a long time and there's very little oil left i don't have enough See, it wasn't necessarily that their lamps weren't lightable or lit. It's that they didn't have enough oil. It wasn't that they weren't playing the part. They were the virgin. They were getting ready. They were all that. But the Bible says the question they asked is, give us some of your oil because we don't have 
enough. Our lamps are going out. They're flickering. They're starting to die. But the wise, verse 9, answered and said, Since there will not be enough for us and you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. See, they saw him from a distance and the cry came out. Hey, he's coming. He's coming. Get ready. So they they had a quick minute to gather themselves, right? So while they were gone to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was shut. And afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Ouch. Watch, therefore, for you neither know the day nor the hour. Jesus, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. God, speak to our hearts. Change our lives. God, ignite us. Fill us full of your oil. God, get religion off of every one of us today. God, in your precious name we ask. Amen. You may be seated. Ironically, a few nights ago in the middle of the night, I was in a very deep sleep at about 3.30 a.m. to be exact. And suddenly I was awakened to hear this ear splitting sound, this tormenting sound that filled my entire house at exactly 3.30 a.m. And it woke everyone up. And it was the exact moment that our smoke alarm system went off and every fire alarm we have in the house. They're all linked together, right? Every single one of them went off with the most penetrating, deep sleep, interrupting, horrific sound that you could imagine. Now, when you're in a deep, I mean, you're in dreamland, right? You're in a dreamland laying on a beach in, 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 in Fiji, right? And all of a sudden you hear this sound that brings you back and you wake up and it's like a moment of confusion. It's like, whoa, 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 what, what, what is that? It's like, you know, but you don't know because you're in that deep fog, right? You're asleep. It's like your brain is processing. It's like, oh yeah, smoke alarm. And then it's like, why is it going off? And I, I, I realized it's funny because like my heart was like adrenaline was just pumping like right in that moment. You think what's going on? So I jump up and I go and reset the system and we, we find out there's a, there's some sort of a malfunction in that thing. But I thought, you know, of all times for that to go off, well, why couldn't it have gone off at like two o'clock in the afternoon? That'd have been like a much friendlier time or, you know, five o'clock in the evening, but three thirty at night. And when you hear that sound, you don't wake up gently, right? <laughs> you wake up in that flight or fight mode. And when the alarm goes off, the question is, are you be, will you be ready? Do you know what to do? And the worst part of being woke up in the middle of the night is when you're not expecting it. And here in Matthew 25, Jesus tells a parable. And the deciding moment in this parable was when the cry went out at midnight. This is what differentiated everybody who was in the tent. 
A whole bridal party was differentiated by one thing. This is very similar to the parable of the wheat and the tares that Jesus also tells. That here is a moment, everyone looks the same, they're dressed the same, they've got the same equipment, they've got the same lamps, they've got the same purpose, they're there to meet the bridegroom, they all say they're ready, and the only thing that really draws the line in the sand was a crisis moment that came in the form of a cry at midnight. The bridegroom cometh. Until that point, everyone looked like they were on the same page. Everyone looked like they believed the same things. Everybody looked like they were ready. But it was that alarm, that cry, that shout at midnight that differentiated those who were ready from those who weren't. You see, really, at its core, this is a cautionary tale. This is a cautionary parable. Jesus was letting us know, you know, it's going to be easy to drift. It's going to be easy to coast. But please understand, we have to live our lives, followers of Christ. Are you hearing me? With a level of preparation, because there's going to be a lot of things that are going to try to get you to waste your oil. There's going to be a lot of things come and put a drain on your oil. And so something comes very clear in this passage, in this parable. We are responsible for the amount of oil that we carry, and we are constantly responsible responsible for getting that oil refilled that oil is the presence of god that oil is the fire of god that oil is all things holy spirit represented that keeps the fire burning in our heart that keeps us getting out of bed at eight in the morning on sunday and getting our bodies into church that gets us on our knees praying come on that gets us opening our bible and studying our bible those are things listen it takes oil of the lord to do those things and the lower your oil the easier it is to sit home on your couch the lower your oil the easier it is to never pray the lower your oil, the less you want to fast. The lower your oil, the less you want to read your Bible. But we have a misunderstanding of this thing and we think that, you know, we have really no part. We just believe Jesus exists and we're good. That is clearly not the message of the New Testament. We like to say it's a relationship and then we like to treat it like it's a moose head mounted on the wall. Saw something very interesting. I don't know if you've seen the viral video. Of the deer that got into a church. Anyone see that? It's pretty entertaining because, well, for a lot of reasons. But it kind of reminds me of what if the power of God got loose in a church? Because pretty much a lot of people, a lot of places treat God like he's a mounted deer head on the wall. Well, if you'll notice, he's got a little white muzzling around his nose. That indicates he's kind of old. And and you see the points on his antlers. He's got eight of them. That means he is old. Okay. And and you see his fur. That means that gray color indicates that he was taken in the month of November. We study it. But it's a whole different world when one of those things comes alive. It comes busting through your church window, running through the sanctuary. Holy cow. I'm saying, God, give us a break out of that. God, where's that kind of Christianity? Give me the Christianity where the deer head or the moose head gets off the wall and comes to life and runs through the building. And people are saying, Ma, we've never seen anything like that before. It's about time that we leave church every Sunday saying, we haven't seen anything like that before. God help us. We have another predictable Sunday service. We check in. We check out. This is offering time. This is giving time. This is preaching time. 
What if God shakes things up? I said, what if God shakes things up? And there's something here in this parable that Jesus tells us is so critically important for us to see. That if we're going to be ready for His coming, there is a pathway of preparation. Because it's the prepared who will walk in authority. It's the prepared who will see Jesus. And Jesus will look at you and me in the eye and say, well done, good and faithful service. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Because you see, heaven is always a prepared place for prepared people. No one ever gets to heaven and is like, wow, I can't believe I made it. Said no one ever. It's a prepared place for prepared people. I don't know how many times Jesus warns us. We, we, we get taught this in the Word of God. We must be prepared. The five wise virgins had the authority to walk in. The foolish weren't allowed to come in. The door was shut. You see, it's the prepared that will carry the oil of His presence in these last days. It's the prepared that will see Jesus. It's the prepared that will make a difference on this planet for the kingdom of God. It's the prepared, my friends. That's why I believe the day has come for the church to rise up and fill our vessels with oil and be the church that Jesus has called us to be. The day of Sunday morning only or Wednesday night, even Christianity are over. We need Christians that when they go to Kroger will be used by the Holy Spirit. Your ears will be tuned to the Holy Spirit when you're on the campus of Wright State, when you're on the campus of your school. We need our ears tuned to the Holy Spirit when you're at Kroger, when you're at Walmart, we need a church filled with people. And I say big C church that are used and listened and available to what the Holy Spirit is saying. We learned something from these five wise virgins, and I want to share them with you this morning. I want you to see, first of all, that the five wise virgins only had enough oil for themselves. You see, try as you might, you cannot share your oil with anybody. I know there's a lot of parents that say, man, I'd love to give my kids some of my oil, but it doesn't work that way. You can't share it. You'll never be able to share it. You can show someone where to get it. You can say, here's a place where you can get oil. Kids, hear me. Your mom and dad can't give you their oil. I guarantee you some of them would love to give you their oil. We all, every parent in here probably feels like, man, I wish I could pass my oil down to my kids. But you can't. And the five foolish virgins ask a very interesting question of the wise. Give us some of your oil. And I love the direct answer there in the passage. You see the first word? No. We work too hard to get this. You see, gifts are free. <laughs> Character is expensive. Character has come because I've said no to things in the world that other people were saying yes to. We want your oil. No, I'm sorry. You can't have it. I worked too hard to get it. I protected my eyes. I protected my ears. There's music I can't listen to. There's movies I can't watch. There's Netflix series that I refuse to watch because I've got to protect my oil. People say, well, I don't watch R-rated movies. Well, if you're watching TVMA, that's the same thing, Netflix. Reading horoscopes. It's witchcraft. Listening to music with F words in it. It's witchcraft. It's demonic. 
I want to tell you there's a lot of things that are asking for your oil. They want to take your oil. They want to borrow some of your oil. But our answer has to be no. Why? Because the oil that we earn, if you will, and earn is not a good word, but that we gain, let me say it that way, that we gain through relationship with Jesus Christ is a precious commodity that only each one of us can gain. And it's something that we get from intimacy with Jesus Christ. That oil cannot be given to someone else because the way it's designed, every single one of us has to get our own oil from the Lord. The old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Same with the oil of the Lord. You can lead a horse to where the oil of the Lord is, but you can't make him take a bath in it. You made those decisions when you sat through altar call after altar call, looking around like you were lost. You made that decision when you said no to the Lord. You made that decision when you start listening to things you shouldn't and watching things you shouldn't. You made that decision when you started dating that person who is not a Christian and you tried to justify it and rectify it and, and, and make excuses for it and say, yeah, but, 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 but. You made the choices yourself. What you build with God in your prayer time, my friend, in the secret place, the altar of prayer. You cannot share that oil because each of us must get our own oil. And I want to tell you, your oil can only be had from the Holy Spirit and you cannot give it to anyone else. You can't share your oil, not with your friends, not with your children. I wish it could because there's many parents I know that would love to do that. But you can't. I was pondering it this week and I think really for those of you that have kids, it's more important to teach your kids how to encounter Jesus as much as it is to teach them facts about Jesus. Because all these little Christian singers and rappers are people who probably grew up in church and knew a lot of facts, but they've never encountered him. See, I like to measure my encounters by how many times I've shed tears in the presence of the Lord. And maybe you have other ways you respond when God is near. For me, it's tears. I'm not saying that's the only way, but I want to tell you something, my friends. Those will be the encounters that we need to angle for when we sense his presence so mightily that not only we're touched, but we leave differently. Is this making sense? I'm pretty sure I don't have to explain how altar services work in this church, but I want to tell you, it, it, it bedevils so many churches, even in our movement, that no longer have altar times. They've done away with altar services to their own harm. And as the great evangelist Steve Hill said, you can go to hell with baptism waters dripping off your face, a church membership card in your wallet, and a communion wafer stuck to your tongue. And we try to bring people through all of these paces, and many of them have never had an encounter with God that transformed their life. And yet we are telling them, just do this, do this, and do that. And you're, but they've never had an encounter. God help us. Every backslider I've ever known, my friend, knows lots of facts. Very few of those know them very well, but they know some facts. But they typically have little or nothing in the oil department. Because when you get your oil, you protect your oil. When you're carrying the presence of the Lord, you protect it. Do you realize how, can, can I just talk to you for a second? Do you realize how, for those of you that have a, a, a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that you, you, you feel that oil, do you realize how precious that is? Can I tell you, not everybody has that. Not everybody sitting in church today has that. 
that oil of the Lord that you have, that relationship that you have is precious. We protect it at all costs because there's people that want your oil. Oh, they may, they aren't going to come up and say, Hey, give me your oil. They're going to bring other kinds of temptation. They're going to do other things of try to put a demand upon your oil and you have to protect your oil. The enemy wants to steal your oil. See, how do we protect our oil? Well, simply said, I, I, I think I could just say it this way. We protect our holiness. Oh, brother, here's a sermon on legalism. We can call it legalism if you want. I want to go to heaven. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just call it, the Bible calls it holiness. You call it whatever you want. This is what Paul said to the Corinthians. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us do what? Cleanse ourselves. Everybody see cleanse ourselves? Do you understand he's not talking about a shower with soap, right? Even though that's a good idea too. He's talking about spiritually here. Therefore, brothers, since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that could defile the body and the spirit and thus accomplish holiness out of reverence for God. We have to cleanse ourselves from everything that could defile our body and our spirit and thus cut our holiness out, right? That, that would damage the ability for holiness and build holiness out of reverence for God in our lives. We have to protect our oil. I would tell you that protecting the oil you carry has as much to do with you saying no as much as it does to you saying yes. Obviously, it's a yes to God, but we have to say no to the world. If you want to keep your oil, you can't say yes to the things of the world. There's got to be no to certain kind of movies, certain kind of TV shows, certain IGs. You, you can't carry the, the oil of the Lord and give it away through careless living. You know, and, and here's another question. Who are we hanging around, right? How can you cultivate the oil of the Lord in your life if everyone you hang around is spiritually dead? How can we have the oil of the Lord? How can the fire of God burn hot in our lives when all of our friends are atheists or sinners or people that don't care or don't serve the Lord? And it's, and I know people try to spiritualize it. Well, I'm trying to lead them to the Lord. Well, if it's you and 10 of them, they're going to win you. And if people tell me that, I say, okay, when's the last time you told them that without Jesus, they're going to spend eternity in hell? Well, of course I haven't said, well, then you're not trying to evangelize them. What's the strategy? They think you're a really nice guy, so they might be interested in coming to church in 50 years. If you're friending somebody in order to lead them to Christ, then please do so. Otherwise, get out of it because you're wasting your time. Because it will have an opposite effect on you most often. When Mary arrived to see Elizabeth, the unborn, you guys know this story, right? In Luke 1, the unborn John the Baptist leapt in Elizabeth's womb. So I'd like to tell you, we have to hang around people who will make the baby jump inside of us. Are you hanging around people that make the baby jump inside? Those who were prepared. We'll hang around with people that make the baby jump. Secondly, we learned this from the five wise Number two, being prepared wasn't an afterthought. 
Being prepared wasn't an afterthought. Why? Because it was their main thought. I'd like you to contrast this with American Christianity for a second. How many people today, just church, Jesus, God, all that's just kind of an afterthought. It's kind of a throw in. It's like, that's something we do on the weekends, but we never really talk about it much through the week. Which is a corollary to the people that hang around. Like, you hang around with people. Do you ever tell them you go to church? Do you ever tell them that, that, you know, about Jesus? Do you ever tell them your little dirty habit on Sunday morning of going to church? You never talk about that? Well, no, it never comes up. My point. It wasn't an afterthought. It was the main thought. The five wise virgins were wise because they prioritized their preparation. They had thought enough in advance about what was going on that they had an extra flask of oil. It's like they're going to they're gonna come to this long period of waiting. But isn't it interesting? They had an extra flask of oil with them because they thought ahead. They came prepared. And they knew something the other... Foolish virgins did not seem to know or care to know, and that was where to get more oil. Did you catch that in the story? Give us some of yours. No. The wise had to tell them where to go get it. Why? Because they were on that. That was part of the wise lifestyle. They were, they were adept at getting the oil, finding the oil, getting their lamps filled up. The foolish, like it never occurred to them, we may run out. And when we do run out, oh, where do we go? It's, it's three in the morning. The wise had to tell them where to go. They knew enough to know they would need extra oil. And they had already been where they needed to be to get the oil. You see, when you prioritize the things of the Lord in your life, you will be ready to meet the Lord. You'll also find victory over sin and temptation. When you get plowed under by sin and temptation, it's because you weren't likely prioritizing the things of the Lord. You weren't prioritizing the oil of the Lord. You see, what keeps me from going back to my old life and giving into temptation? Prioritizing my preparation. Anybody here today? Hello? If I want to make sure I never go back to my old life, I want to make sure I never go back to old things or old habits or whatever, i got to always keep my preparation in, in mind, in view. I prioritize my preparation. That's why, let, let me just give you some advice here for free. Uh, you need to have a set of negoti- uh, non-negotiables in your life. There's non-negotiables. Family visits from out of town. Well, they're not church people. That's fine. They'll watch me go to church. They can sit and do whatever they want at my home. Don't eat all my good food. But other than that, family can visit, but I'm going to church. Non-negotiable. Right? There's got to be a set of non-negotiable. There are things that speak in my life. This is a priority. This isn't a show. This isn't something I'm doing to look spiritual to my out-of-town guests. No, no. They know this is a priority to me. I prioritize my preparation because I don't know when Jesus is going to return. I want to live ready. I want to live charged up. I want to live with my oil lamp full. So therefore, I'm not going to change my standards for whoever I happen to be around. I'm not going to alter my fire to to be less offensive to people who aren't as hungry for God as I am. I'm not going to tone down the Holy Spirit out of respect for those who aren't as hungry as me. It's priorities. Nothing personal. I just got this thing going. I got this oil lamp thing going. I got to keep this full because I know what this guy's capable of. 
If my oil's not full, my oil's not full, I know what, I know what this man's capable of doing. When my oil's full, I don't even think about those things. Oil gets low, dumb thoughts come in your head. Like I said, I'm not here. To, I'm here because I have something to say today. Hope you're catching this. I've discovered something very simple and very profound. People who keep their gas tanks full never run out of gas. See, serving God is so simple. We, we miss it. We try to make it complicated. It's really simple. You know, I think, honestly, I ran out of gas once in my life. And I'll, this is not throwing shade on anybody's age group, but I was young and dumb. I was probably high school or college. And I probably had other distractions. Had to go with this friend or do this or do that. I tried to, And I didn't prioritize the one thing to keep me moving. It would have taken me five minutes to go and stop five minutes out of my super busy schedule, right? I was 21 or whatever. I'm really busy, right? You know, and I've, tried, I've got so much to do and you don't understand, you know, all that. Y'all been there. Again, I'm not throwing shade. I'm just, <laughs> as you grow older, you, <laughs> you chuckle at your younger self sometimes. That's why they write songs. I'd like to go face to face with the younger me. I like king and country, right? You like that song? I like, I love to go face to face with the younger me, but I can't. But I neglected something that should have been a priority. Maybe it was laziness. But somewhere, something got neglected. You see, if you want to be prepared, if you want to carry the oil of the Lord, can I just tell you this? It won't be an accident. It'll most likely be an inconvenience. Because we serve an inconvenient God. That might be an inconvenient truth for some people. But we have an inconvenient God. He has a way. He's the path. There is no other way. If you want to be prepared, it won't be because it's a box to check on your list. Because it pretty much will be what your list is all about. If you need a Bible verse for that, Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these other things, which all in the Greek means all. All these other things will be added unto you. If Jesus Christ doesn't consume you this morning, beware. Beware. If God is an afterthought, an add-on, something you're doing to please somebody, that should be a huge red flag in your life. Say, Pastor, why are you tell me? Because I'm giving you a chance to wake up before the shout comes at midnight. I want to give you a chance. Many of you have been praying for Sharon Morris. Yesterday afternoon, she started having chest pains. And just so you know, she's one of the healthiest people I know. I mean, it's salmon, it's salad, it's greens. It's like food that sometimes I'm not interested in eating, but I do because, I, you know, you have to. But she just like, that's her lifestyle. Doesn't have any extra weight. 
began having some chest pains. Long story short, this morning, they found a 100% blocked artery in her heart. Possible reasons why it's there. But she told us something yesterday. She said, you know, for a minute, when that pain was really severe, she said, it felt like really hot. Cause, you know, when you're going through heart episodes, sometimes you go, Dr. Chuck could tell you the right word for me. You feel sweaty. There's a medical term. I know several of you could, but <laughs> I don't, that's not my area, right? But to all those symptoms, and she said this one thing, a feeling of doom, like I'm going to die. Never in a million years, she'd have been the last person I would have picked to have a heart attack. Of all the people I know, not that I'm getting, believe me, I'm not sitting around thinking, I bet they're up next. No, not at all. I don't think that for anybody. But she would be the last person you would pick. Here's my point. You don't know when that midnight cry will come. It may come when Jesus splits the sky. It may come when he calls you or me personally home. When our time on this planet, because we all have an appointed time to die, that's what the Bible says. There's an appointment and there's nothing you can do about it. There's enough time to die. Church, I want to tell you, it's why we gather. It's why we should gather. And when we gather, come with the intention of getting more oil. You've heard me say this before. There's no such thing as a blow off Sunday, a wasted Sunday, a wasted service, or just a, well, it's snowing outside and we have, you know, there's probably 20 people at this church that are sick or quarantining. You know, we got, we, we can make all kinds of excuses. That is not how I woke up today. I woke up today and say it's a day is an encounter for somebody. Today on a day when the, like, like it is outside and like it is right now in our current culture, today is a day, someone. And I want to tell you, every Sunday, every Wednesday when we come together, I make sure I walk in with that attitude. This is a moment for me to get oil. If no one gets oil, I'm going to get oil. Brother Brett, if no one shouts, I'm going to shout right here during worship. If no one dials in to, for the power of the Holy Spirit and opens himself up, I'm going to do it. Because every time we gather, my friends, we need to be intent on getting that oil because we don't know when that cry will come. We don't know when that that shout at midnight may be. It may be from when Jesus comes back. It may be when he cracks the eastern sky. It may be just my heart stops beating and there's a sharp pain in my left ventricle and I drop to my face and suddenly I'm in the presence of God. I want to tell you, I pray to God in that moment that my oil is full and that I was going as hard for God as I could and I wasn't living lax and I didn't have some secret things going on behind the scenes, but I was clean before the Lord. That is what he's calling us to. That's why Paul said we got to cleanse ourselves from anything that will damage the holiness that we have before the Lord. Cleanse your soul, cleanse your body. Why? So we can live holy before the Lord. So don't just show up to church. Come and get oil. Don't just check a box on your prayer time. Don't leave until a touch from heaven has descended on you. Don't just read your Bible to check off a reading plan. Read it until the oil of the Holy Spirit is dripping off of you. Pray until you feel heaven come down. Until the tears come. Don't just attend a small group. Go with a vessel ready to receive more oil. 
because there's something about it when we gather together. You can get oil by yourself, but I want to tell you there's something powerful when we gather in two or three uh, as groups, small groups, or the body of Christ on Sunday. There's something powerful when we gather together about getting oil from the Lord. Probably where Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. He's intent on filling your vessel. I believe the days of checking the box saying, I went to church on Sunday, it's over. We're losing, my friends, the culture war. Where is the influence of the church today? We've mostly lost our university students to secular liberalism. Now we're, 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 are we going to sit back while we lose our elementary students? I know we, we talk about praying for the colleges. I think we need to maybe continue to do that, but we focus on the elementary students now because that's where they're at now. They've already got the college universities. You see, my point is, where's the influence of the spirit-filled believer We need oil-filled warriors who will live this thing daily, who are on alert every single day when the Holy Spirit speaks, when the Holy Spirit directs. You see, I believe the influence will come back when we become a people of the altar again. In fact, I see a connection with no altar services, and there's, there's a lot of churches even within our movement that no longer have altar services. And I see a connection, a lack of altar services with a lack of influence in the culture. People seeking God on an altar is something many have abandoned. It's something the church must recapture. There's power when we seek God together. Finally, I'm going to close with this. The five wise virgins had something that the other ones didn't. They possessed an experiential knowledge of the groom. Experiential. Everyone say experiential. How do I know? Because of what he told the five foolish virgins when they finally came. You heard me stop and emphasize that when we read that. The five, the five foolish showed up a little late and the bridegroom told them, I tell you the truth. You know, it's like saying, oh, to be honest with you, I don't know who you are. Ooh. Pause. Time out. The whole wedding party knew them. They all had lamps. They were virgins. Are are, are you see where I'm heading with this? Their church knew them. They were involved. But when they stood before God, to be honest with you, I don't know who you are. I don't know you. That statement is pretty incredible given the fact that by all appearances, they were part of the same bridal party. They, they all were in waiting for the groom to show up. They all were in proximity to each other because when the cry went out at midnight, right, they all were awakened together. They all were in this, looked like they were in this thing together, but it wasn't until the alarm went off in the middle of the night when things got intense, when adrenaline was pumping, when they were really revealed as people who really didn't know the Lord. I'm not a fan of crises. But the crisis, our current situation we find ourselves in on this planet, in this country, is revealing who the church is. Do you realize that?
You know who's being exposed today? All the posers. The foolish ones. They've talked to Jesus game for a long time. And now here's something that's a little tense. Here's something that caused the adrenaline. Here's something that could cause a little fear in the natural. <sighs> let's see how much you believe in your Jesus now. Let's, let's see who you really are now. Let's apply a little pressure. What if a little more pressure comes, right? We can think of all kinds of scenarios. All kinds of, all kinds of scenarios happen all over this planet where the pressure is ratcheted up quite a bit. Let's see who comes to church then. I know someone will be here. The ones who have oil. You can't scare them off. Because they've experienced the groom. They've experienced him. And a man with an experience has something that a man with an argument will never have. That's why I say a man with an argument is absolutely no match with a man with an experience. I, I don't care if you have more degrees than a thermometer. If you want to come tell me you don't think God exists, you might as well talk to that brick wall back there because it's nothing going to stick to me. Because I've experienced him. I've cried out when I'm sick and God has instantly healed my body. When I was a teenager, I had an encounter where I felt we were swept away to heaven. I've shared that before with you. And the, the Holy Spirit of God came and filled the place. I have had personal encounters with God that have altered the course of my history. So save your rhetoric because it won't work on me. See, an argument is no match for someone with an experience because you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I want to tell you something. It means you've got some oil and that oil is precious. That oil is worth protecting. Are you with me? That oil, right? You, you sort of, I, again, and earn is not the right word, but through life experience and, and prayer time and sacrificing and saying no to the things when no one was looking behind the scenes, you said no, that you, you've gained that oil. You've gained that intimacy with the Lord. When you stood for Jesus, when no one else was standing for him, you were getting your vessel filled. When you were behind the scenes and no one was seeing what you were doing, but the integrity of the Holy Spirit inside of you said, I can't do that. I can't look at that. I can't go there. You were getting oil when temptations were coming all around your flesh and no one was there. You could have gotten away with it. You said no. And God was saying, I got you. Come here. I'm going to fill your vessel with more oil. No one's going to talk you out of that, my friends. No one's going to talk you out of that. I want to tell you. The five wise knew Jesus. They had experienced him. They had encountered him. So I tell people all the time, you know, just knowing sex before marriage is wrong is not going to keep you from giving into temptation. Just knowing what is right from wrong is not enough to keep you from getting high, going to bars. Everyone that does so usually does so with the knowledge that this is wrong, but they, yet they do it anyway. Why? Because the knowledge of that is not enough. You have to have an encounter with the living God. You can know all kinds of things about God, but I want to tell you, if you want to stay free from sin, you have to have experiential knowledge of Jesus Christ.
And it's so heartbreaking, the cry of thousands of parents across the United States. Believe me, I know. They say, but I raised them in church. They know better. There are friends and loved ones who we watch with with heartbreak, and they're saying, but they knew better. Why are they doing that? There's some of you, you went to college with people. You were in the same Chi Alpha group with them, and you've seen them turn their back on God. And you say, but they knew better. They should have known better. Yes, they should have. But I want to tell you something, my friend. There's a difference in knowing facts and really, really, truly knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, all of our life, we have to live prepared. Some people think, well, once I get out of college, it'll be easier. Everyone laugh together. Ha ha ha. Once I get married, all that temptation will go away and everyone laughed. Ha ha ha. Well, once I hit 30, once I hit 40, once I get 50, I probably won't even have those feelings anymore. Ha, ha, ha. We all laugh together at that. Until they put you in your pine box, my friend, you will battle the flesh. And you will have a choice to make every day. (laughs) My father who is in heaven, my earthly father who's in heaven. That started to sound like a prayer. Always told me that said, Eric, until they put you in a pine box, you will have to make a decision to get victory over your flesh every day. Every day. And I want to tell you, my friends, as we get full of the oil of the Holy Spirit, I, I, I want to tell you that experiential knowledge of the bridegroom is what will keep us when things get tough. When Temptation becomes unbearable. When the thoughts of quitting become overwhelming, the oil of the Lord will keep us strong. It will keep us in the way, in the truth, in the light. It will keep us where we need to be. Why? Because it's something that we earned on the battlefield. It's something that we earn in the tough times. And that oil is so precious, my friends. It is the presence, the manifest presence of God in our life. The relationship that we have built in those tough moments, we bring them into the stressful moments and the temptations, and it will always override. Always. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This message and other resources are available at DestinyDayton.com.